0: Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jesse, born in Manila, Philippines, raised
1: in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Hala Hala Podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino Canadian life. Before we start our podcast, we'd like to acknowledge the lands we're podcasting on I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently, the Mississaugas of the Credit River.
0: And I'm podcasting from the traditional unceded territory of the Algonquin and Ishbeg people.
1: On today's Merienda episode, we examine some sweet sips and drinks, which in this case are Sago Ad Glaman, and Buku Pandan. But before we start, two things. One is, is, is that for any new listeners to the podcast, we always have a merienda episode <laughs> when there are Five Fridays in a month, and this falls on the fifth Friday of a month, and so this is why you're getting this bonus episode. And then the second thing is, is let Let's catch up. What have you been up to, pop culture wise? Period. Well, yeah,
0: we're wrapping up Filipino Canadian Heritage Month here. We are, yeah, in Canada, and I had a fun. I had to give you a bit of an update. I, I texted you during that day, but yeah, I, I helped run. We hosted a Filipino lunch at my Ooh. work. Oh my gosh, about it. it was very it. much, I'll talk very broadly, I, I work for the public service and right. our wonderful management funded us and I have a co-worker, I'm going to give her a shout out, Clara. She was Filipino and her mm. mom, she and I were talking and I have another co-worker named Ryan, we were thinking about like, let's do a Filipino one-on-one on food and we mm-hmm. had, we did the basics. Clara's mom made adobo and pancit, mm. like vegetable <laughs> and chicken and adobo, I got lumpia and then Clara surprised me. She made these beautiful ube macapuno cupcakes. Oh, I saw you. Were they you good? They're so it. beautiful. They look so delectable. Um, and I did these wonderful ube cookies that I'm going to make a batch for you. I, I think mm. I perfected them white chocolate. Oh, can't nice wait, can't wait. I will totally make them. But I have to say, it turned out so well. I was just proud to share our heritage. So was Clara. Oh. And we were talking about being young kids and bringing like adobo and saying, what's that smell? And everyone's yeah. like, And now, like, Adobo was the Google Doodle, and a majority (laughs) of my coworkers make Adobo. So Mm. it was great to share it. We gave them a bit of one-on-one. I gave them a little bit of history about pancits, long noodles, long life. Shanghai, adobo, and becoming a marinade and being you know sort of adapted from our right. Spanish ancestors. And yes. they had a great time; they really enjoyed it. And I'll tell you something: we've been hybrid working, and we had thirty people in the office. It was like pre-pandemic. Mm. It was so weird. I was like, oh, this feels like pandemic didn't happen, and it was a full <laughs> stop. <laughs> and it was crazy busy. And it was on Wednesday, the twenty-first. We did a great land acknowledgement, and we had, it was a nice team building experience. So Filipino Canadian Heritage Month, it was fantastic, and the. From our podcast covering amazing people like Jen Barcelona and the Honorable MP from the Saga Streetsville, Reggie Valdez. Yes, I got to partake in stuff. There's a Filipino Public Servants Network, and they've been doing little talks. They had leadership talk by Honey DeCao, if I'm not mistaken, and they have another mm. leadership talk this weekend. And they had a Filipino quiz. So there's a lot of busyness going on. Look at you, six. taking I know, leadership. I love it. I love it. I, I, I love, I love it. it. I'm gonna hopefully I'll take more of an active part with, uh, with you the with totally the network are. and these people. So. Pop culture wise, I saw an amazing movie. My kids wanted to do something for Father's Day, and I said, "Let's go see Elemental, the new Pixar film." Yeah, you would love it because basically. The elements, in this case, fire and water, right. main character Ember and Wade cannot mix, right? You know, those mm-hmm. elements, but really it's an immigration story. So Ember's family immigrates to, it almost seems like they're going through Ellis Island. Oh, And you would have loved it, and they're coming in, and they were trying to figure out places to live. And even when they first came into that immigration officer, they said, oh, what's your name? And this her father, Cinder, just like breathes fire. He goes, I really can't say that, but I'll call you Cinder. And it was fantastic And it was just that experience They couldn't find places where they fit So then they created their own fireplace boot And then a lot of the fire people lived in the fire part of the neighborhood Nice Very New York Yeah, You would love it But what was great or whatever, it talked about microaggressions, it talked about honoring Mm. your parents and knowing that they make sacrifices in their life and how do you continue on if you don't (laughs) feel like following those footsteps. It was wonderful. I'm not stacking it up to the Incredibles or Inside Out, but it was magical and it wasn't about... My kids enjoyed it. They clearly did. But the puns and the immigration story, even the microaggressions, like you speak very well for someone that's, you know, a fire thing. (laughs) I was like, oh, that was full out. And my wife whispered microaggression. I'm like, thank you.
1: Good job. Oh my gosh, good Good for Disney for actually doing an animation on the immigration experience. Amazing. And It
0: was just, you know, it touched on different parts and there was such beauty, whether the fire touching different minerals and A flaming up and just water movements and just um, moving inside out and the perception through water with the Wade and Ember characters voiced by Leah Lewis who's Asian who's in the half of it, that movie you and I had watched from Netflix a while ago and It was great. I highly recommend it. I'm sure it'll be on your list for Q, but slowly but surely. But I totally think you should. What have you been at, pop culture wise, during this Mm. lovely filled month with special events?
1: Special events, special activities. Of course, June is Filipino Canadian Heritage Month, Mm -hmm. but it's also Pride Month or Pride celebrations. And Mm -hmm. at least certainly in the Greater Toronto area, it is the entire month, but it of course culminates this past weekend, which just recently occurred. So that's June 25th, 24th, and 23rd. But Mm -hmm. different parts of Ontario, as well as throughout Canada and throughout North America, and in Western-speaking nations, is it typically Pride Month. And for those of our listeners that don't know anything about Pride Month, Pride Mm -hmm. Month is a commemoration of LGBTQ rights and protests that had started in 1969 in the Stonewall Riots in New York City, where gay men, drag queens, trans folks, Mm -hmm. and queer women had risen up to protest the injustice that they were facing with respect to police brutality and Mm -hmm. in over the years I think sometimes I've had this kind of tortured relationship with pride meaning you know it is a protest but it's become a parade and a celebration and I think Mm -hmm. in recent years and rise of hate has it just kind of reminded me that it always will always be rooted in a protest and so of course Part of our Pride celebrations is usually watching a number of queer movies. And so one of the movies that we watched this Pride weekend was of an age movie, which mm-hmm. was a beautiful movie written and directed by this Macedonian Australian individual named Goran Stolevsky. And mm-hmm. The story takes place in the suburbs of Melbourne in 1999, just before Y2K and tells the story of an intense romantic experience that occurs over the course of a day between a 17 year old Serbian immigrant and Mm -hmm. his ballroom partner's brother. And then it eventually (laughs) reaches its conclusion in a 24 hour period in 2010. And it was tragic and messy, but ultimately beautiful. And so oh, wow. that was something that I had watched. Yeah. And that I'd been raving about all weekend as I was telling all my other gay friends as we kind of hung out for pride celebrations and took in the parade on Sunday. But yeah, Sigs, interesting coming-of-age story, and it mm-hmm. reminds me of Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. Wow. Like Wow. You know, is series.
0: it streaming, or is it in the theaters? Or what?
1: Uh, it's not stream. It guess you can find it in certain streaming outlets. It's not in the okay. theaters. It came out in February of this year, and it was part oh, wow. of okay. an Australian equivalent of a gay and lesbian film festival. It's been beautifully told i that's all i can very much say about it but i have to say all these 1999 references it (laughs) was hilarious as they were looking at handbooks and maps you know and it was just like (laughs) oh (laughs) my gosh there's no phone and then when we see some of the characters having to run to a pay phone to call each other and then instantly then know the numbers i had paused the movie at this point, and said to Michael, I said, Oh my god, there's only three numbers I now know off by heart. And I remember knowing everybody's number. I remember each heart. one, remember
0: yours, our friend Tara's, and yeah. Victor's, uh, yeah. my parents. Yeah, you know,
1: I would be ashamed to say, like, now at back then, if I didn't know your number off by heart, but I don't know your number off by no. now. Now exactly. it's just like, look up Siggy's name on my contact and touch my name. That's it, touch your name. And so, or I just say, you know, blah blah blah. Siri, call Ziggy, call Ziggy right? <laughs> and listeners, the reason why I'm not saying that phrase, "Hello, Siri," is simply because it's going to activate and be part of our podcast. In any event, <laughs> love this film. It was a beautifully told film, okay, as I'm I said. Have to look it, up. it was okay. tragic and it was messy all at once. And the thing that I will say is that it was an, a lesson in saying goodbye. And I just thought,
0: oh, fascinating,
1: wow. fascinating. So. Yeah, it was really poignant and okay. really tragic. And like what I said, it captured a really elemental feeling. You know, surprise, surprise. Pun
0: intended. Yeah. yeah,
1: pun intended for sure. In terms of first love, it was just like, oh, I wish I had seen this years ago. But again, beautifully told, and I can't can't wait to rewatch it because I think it's. If this was a taste test, I'd be telling you, oh, for sure, I would totally watch I'll, this again. I'll put it in the song. show
0: notes. Like I'm very intrigued. Yeah, I'm very yeah, intrigued. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: that's what I've been up to pop culture wise. You know, took in a lot of gay themed activities and gay themed events, and there was lots of glitter and bubbles. And in some <laughs> ways, in some ways, when I think of some of these Filipino drinks that we're talking about on our merienda episodes, there are certainly bubbles, but more like tapioca bubbles than anything else. But six, okay. today we are talking about three particular sweet drinks, or they can even be considered fruit salads of sorts in some ways. <laughs> but usually when we think about sweet Filipino drinks, we think of halo-halo. I think of
0: halo-halo or calamansi juice or something, right? Right, right. But we don't
1: necessarily always talk about these three. Sagoat Gudlaman, you know, mayas and buku pandan. And listeners, what you have to know is that when we were kind of planning this merienda, series, the theme was sweet and so came up against sweet drinks. And I just remember SIGS, like, what about these sweet drinks? And to my surprise, you were like, I know, I never have Shut had these up. drinks. Let's talk yeah. about this. And then you tell me why you haven't well, your theory. Give me a one on one. Yes. there's not, I don't think that there's anything to be ashamed. I was just kind of surprised. <laughs> and the surprise is really about how did you get to this point where you didn't discover this? Mm-hmm. And here we are telling about it or me telling you about it. So Sago at Gulaman, mm-hmm. in my mind, I've always called this the original bubble tea. And I don't know if you recall, but there was a moment in the two thousands where bubble tea just exploded everywhere. It you was could a, find a big local thing. Shop yeah. everywhere. I wouldn't be surprised if your kids, Mac and Delaney are like, can we have some bubble tea? Do they ever ask for bubble tea?
0: Or they um, Delaney tea? has some friends and it's funny. I bought her a Lego set, which was like a little bubble tea like mm, vendor. Yes, and yes, she yes. loves it or she has colored things or whatever. And, I sort of want to try it. I go, you probably like the juice part. I don't know if he would like the little bubbles because she thought it was actual <laughs> just bubbles. And I'm like, oh, no, it's like, I think you'll tell me what. It's like pearls of like tapioca.
1: It is. They're made yeah. out of tapioca pearls and jellies. And so mm-hmm. that's what the sago means, right? It stands for the tapioca pearls. And the mm-hmm. jellies is made out of this seaweed agar, which is known as gulaman. So usually when yeah. you go to the Asian grocery store, you can get them in different colors. They're usually white and pink. And then Mm -hmm. usually you'll take the white and then you can dye them some other color. But for the most part, it's either white or pink. Typically, we've picked up the pink. And then from there, do you soak the agar in water? Then you can add a number of things to it. And then you pour the water and set it in some type of flat dish of sorts. And of course, you're pouring boiling water over the gulaman. And I remember having memories of making this from scratch. You made it from scratch,
0: like, like seriously. So we what's would the, the time th- on that? Like how? What's my the God, time I, I couldn't
1: that? tell you simply because I think to me it took an entire evening, or it would take the entire afternoon. I just remember being over the stovetop with my mm. mom's direction of constantly stirring mm-hmm. the tapioca pearls. So when you get the tapioca pearls, they kind of resemble these really small circular, almost bean-like inconsistency, hard shells. And then you Mm -hmm. put them in the water and they boil and you keep actually stirring them and boiling them until they become translucent. And that took forever and a day. And now you can actually go to some type of Asian supermarket grocery and probably buy it in bulk where it's already preformed. But I remember making this from scratch and then suddenly the water would have been practically all evaporated. So then we have to add more water waiting for it to boil Mm -hmm. and then still kind of stirring it around. And like it was like risotto times 20 because that's how long I had to be over the stovetop. And then when you were making the gulaman, you had to wait for it to set. Like it's like waiting for jello to set. And then this was the part that took a long time was actually flipping it out and then cutting them into squares, like really like a nice square. Them. Not yeah. like a so sloppy, be, right? Well, you know, truth be told, mine's turned out to be more rectangle because I think I was just impatient. It's it was yeah. like cut, cut, cut. So carefully cutting them up into square. And the interesting part, you always find that your mom's version tastes better or you remember that one the best. And my mom would add lemon extract in there as well. Oh, so it would have this kind of really fresh, yeah. yeah. So it had this kind of fresh taste to it. And it was a nice contrast to the syrup, which is what it was mixed with, right? So you'd have mm-hmm. the tapioca pearls, the glamin cubes, and then you would have this kind of syrupy brown sugar mixture, And so that also had to be boiled. So you can imagine sweating over a stovetop, you know, boiling water for the gulaman, (laughs) stirring the tapioca pearls, and then also carefully boiling water and brown sugar to make this kind of syrupy extract. And it's the same thing that you would use for taho, but for gulaman, you'd use it for that. And so you had to kind of stir and boil until it fully dissolved. And you didn't want to boil it too much or else you risked, it crystallizing and then that would just kind of you it know sort of ruins it right yeah. yeah it would so this dessert took time <laughs> and, and, in and so I'd be in front of the stove and I'd be sweating, doing all of this. And I'd say, mom, is this done? And she's like, it's not translucent. Keep going, keep going. And I Are just... Are you with like a wooden
0: it. spoon? Like I can yeah, see a it little... It totally it a wooden totally spoon. Totally just stirring and stirring. Totally just a like, wooden oh my God. spoon. Okay. Yeah,
1: it totally was. <laughs> so I would be doing this. My sisters might be doing something else. And then it felt like it took forever in a day. And then finally it was... A, coming down to assembling it. So you needed to chill everything, especially, you know, the arnabal or the syrup that Mm. went with it. But once you had it, you would take a couple of spoonfuls of the gulaman, a couple of spoonfuls of the sago, and then you'd pour in the brown sugar mixture and then yum. So you would have to kind of drink it and then also spoon it out. Similar to halo-halo in a lot of ways. You would drink it it and spoon it out at the same time. But yeah, when I think about ad Gulaman, despite Mm -hmm. it being really time intensive and being over the stove, this dessert really reminds me of the hot summer nights in the 1980s when we had first moved to Scarborough. You know, in a freshly immigrant family, just kind of like, I guess, the ones in Elemental. And, I remember my mom just being very happy to have found the seaweed agar at a Korean grocery store and just oh my being gosh. able to say we 80s. can wait me. Yeah. yeah, in the 80s, right? Because you can imagine what it was like trying to source all of this. That's why when I saw the rise of bubble tea, I was like, oh my God, I've been having bubble tea since forever in a day. I just didn't put milk <laughs> in my Sago Ad Gulaman. That's kind of what Sago Ad Gulaman you know, means to me is that hot summer nights in the 80s or the afternoons on a Saturday, so to speak. I would also say, too, that I think to myself, if there was to be a modernized version of this classic Filipino sweet sip and drink, I would like to see President's Choice make it into a mixed bar of some sorts, like an ice cream bar or an ice cream popsicle. Hey, well, you, you I know? mean,
0: it is very de rigueur if you see the latest in the President's well, Choice. Well, that's exactly by... what inspired me. Yeah.
1: So for those of our listeners that don't know around the world, President's Choice is a grocery brand of a greater chain called Loblaws. In any mm-hmm. event, they have a Filipino collection that they've launched this summer. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be great if they made us to go at Gulaman Milky Bar on a popsicle stick? And I just think, oh... Delish, don't I you think, think there would
0: be a better uptake than the boba ube pie. That Although some of my I friends won't say have sampled it, though, I had liked it actually. Right? Oh, really? Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, it's, it's not, not bad. bad. It's not
0: perfect, but it's not yeah. bad, right? I like the adobo chips. I have to say that. But kuya, now here's the thing, Mm-hmm. and I know you're very curious. So my experience with it, I remember seeing my parents with this at a Filipino store, bringing it home. My only issue is, I just don't like the texture of tapioca. Yes. So that's my thing. Gulaman, I love. And when you and I went to Marienda Shack and we had the Halo Halo, did you see they had pomegranate and it was super red? And it was cut in squares. And I loved that type of stuff. And I'm usually right. not a jello person. Yes, like it's yeah. but I think it's just the tapioca pearls. It's just even when bubble tea and I know if Victor, if you ever listen to our podcast, <laughs> you took me up for bubble tea <laughs> at the Asian mall in Toronto and I was sort of teasing, like you don't want it. I'm like, I just don't like the texture. I don't like tapioca. I get it. And the chocolate one. I just but the Gulamon down for it. it just it's just the tapioca because do you remember is it too that? slippery for you or something it like is? that? It is. And yeah. remember, like, what was that pop Orbits? Is it and it Orbit? had, like, the yeah. floating thing. It almost looked like, yeah. Clam. not my favorite. If you like yeah. it, it's all good, folks. It's all good. You it's can all good. Have You're just, just not
1: used to the texture. The, the, tapioca, not the tapioca tapio thing.
0: texture. I think my daughter would like it. The kid. I think my kids really like jelly things, right? So yeah. Delaney would like it. I just think when you have a drink, you just want to gulp it down, not, like, choke it down. But well, uh, the gulaman, I'd be down with.
1: Yeah, I can see that. It is slippery. And sometimes if you're not so careful, you could end up sipping the tapioca ball without chewing it and coming down. You could actually <laughs> chew the tapioca balls, right? Right. No, the sago. However, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate the fact that that's not something that we kind of equate with desserts, except at least here in the Philippines, we can equate it. But I think a North American palate necessarily doesn't necessarily put those two things together, mm-hmm. right? I can understand that. Similarly, I would say that Maya's Canyelo is also like that. It Perfect brings together segue. things that we yeah. don't normally think about in terms of a North American palate. So, mm-hmm. I think this dessert drink, usually its primary ingredient is corn, and when we think about corn, it's a side dish. Or it's part of some type of savory entree. You've decided to put canned corn in a Texas chili or something like that. But mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever think of it as a sweet topping. Do you ever think of it as a sweet topping in North American flavor It's profiles? not a North
0: American thing, and I know we'll talk a little bit about it, but like, give our people some context because the yeah. way you set it up is very
1: interesting. For those of our listeners that don't know Moya Escaniello, it's made of shaved ice, condensed milk, evaporated milk, white sugar, and then it's topped with sweet corn. Now, depending on the purist that you talk to or the person that you talk to about how to make mayas can yellow, it could be layered or it could be layered lasagna style, you know, in a right. number of different ways. So you'd have the shave ice, then you pour in the evaporated milk, condensed milk, white sugar, and then you would repeat that up until the end and then you put your sweet corn on top. And then there are some options that you can have to it. So I've seen some people put queso on it. So a cheese of sorts, Mm -hmm. vanilla ice cream, or sagging nasabah. That's what I've seen. That also is what I've seen. Sometimes I've seen it with cornflakes, which I think is interesting because it's kind of like this crunchy texture or this crispy texture, or sometimes when it gets wet enough, it's crispy and soggy. And then you have that in stark relief against the sweet, fleshy meat of the corn and In my mind, it kind of creates a cacophony of textures, as I like to say. (laughs) And I can appreciate kind of why you might not have had this in light of what you've told me about saguad galaman, that texture matters for you. And I think in Filipino ideas, it's not just about sweet and jello-y. It's also about slippery and then introducing different things that we don't necessarily think about from, again, a North American flavor profile. When I think about this particular sweet drink and dessert. It reminds me of my mom. And it's probably yeah. her favorite sweet dessert drink. So when we travel to the Philippines, if there was a decision to be made about halo halo or yellow, and they had yellow, and sure enough, they also had queso or some type of ice cream. So it was like yellow mm-hmm. special or supreme. Yeah. Hands down, she would choose the yellow. It just makes me think about how this drink is different because you don't think of corn as a dessert. And this drink also reminds me on how we really value foods differently in the Philippines. So not only is corn seen as a dessert, but beans are also a dessert. And so when we think about Halo Halo, there are sweet beans that are sometimes added to it. And I've never thought twice about this until (laughs) Michael. (laughs) to say... I don't know that I like the idea of beans in my hollow hollow. And I just have to tell you this kind of really quick story that there was a Filipino day market during Filipino Heritage Month a couple of years ago where Michael and myself and our friends Talon Ferd were along the way. And they had all these lined up pre-made cups of all the different toppings. And then of course, all they needed to do was just add ice. Milk, ube ice cream, leche flan, mm, and then boom, mm, you got mm. your halo halo. However, he didn't want beans. So I'm ordering three halo halos, and then I say, Can you make one without beans? And they're like, Why? And I'm like, I want beans but the guy over there doesn't want beans. And I point to Michael and they're like, oh, right. And of course, for those of our listeners that don't know, Michael's fourth generation Scottish Canadian. And so they were like, we get it. (laughs) They had to make a special alohalo just for him, just so that it had no beans. But it just kind of reminds me, like we don't think of beans or things like corn, which feel more like vegetables and legumes more than
0: anything else as sweet condiments. And I'm sure you can probably agree with that. Yeah. Listeners, I really, I closed my eyes when Jess is talking about this, and I am seven years old, barefoot, in my parents' kitchen, 1980-something, on Graysville Crescent in Southern Ontario, St. Catharines. And my parents, we come home from an Asian store, we're going to make Holo Holo, and my role was to shave ice. We didn't have Mm. an electric thing. I had this thing that you turned around, and it would shave ice cube by ice cube. Mm. It took a hell of a lot of time. Mm. And I was excited, because Holo Holo looked really neat, right? With all those things and being a big and you know, sometimes ube ice cream or like coconut or jackfruit, which really makes sense to me. But I remember like putting condensed milk, and condensed milk and ice is really good, it's sweet. And my mom would be like, Can you open a can of corn? And I love corn, corn's one of my favorite vegetables, slowly starchy, but. I understand as an adult the flavor profile because it's sweet niblets, right? Even peaches and cream, there's a wonderful sweetness to it. And until I was an adult, and I appreciate, you know, when you get that good harvest of corn late July, early August, when you don't need to put butter or salt mm, on it, it's yes. perfect. I can understand what the flavor profile. And you pair it with vanilla ice cream, a little bit of a queso, I get it. But as a little kid, I'm like, why are we putting the side dish in a dessert? I couldn't make that. Uh- Understanding, I get it. But as I grow older and like how culinary delights really celebrate that beans are used in Asian food for desserts, whether it's curds or stuff for mooncakes or other things. And we use chickpeas, folks. There's a lot of recipes right. for chickpeas so garbanzo, in brownies yes. or garbanzo right. for density and stuff. Yep. I can understand and appreciate it. I just, in my head, I always think corn, I usually have with some rice to put in my adobo and stuff like that. But if you think of the flavor profile being sweet niblets and they're just popping out with the ice and then it's sort of a thick condensed milk. And then right now I'm salivating. I understand the yeah. mixture, right? Yeah. And when you say ma'as, again, it's so multilingual because French is mace, you know, yes. Yes, yes. all that stuff. And with it yellow, yellow means ice, but That's in my right. head I always think the color yellow. Yeah. It's ice in Tagalog, but it's so pun intended and it sounds odd, but right now, I'm like, I would get why your mom would love it. And I associate with my parents, because I remember opening, you know, the Green Giant. And, you know, those corn was usually something from the Philippines. Right. In the Philippines. And I would crack it open. It smells so fresh and sweet. And I get it as an adult. As a little kid, I'm like, I don't understand this. And I'm sweating like Jesse. I'm trying to crack all this ice. begging yeah. Like, do we have more ice to do? My parents got a Big bag, keep on shaving. Just yeah. so I can make a little mound of ice for that. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I just... It's different, and I think that's what's interesting about culture and that development of culinary taste or whatever. You know, it's in that frame; it, it can be eaten for this. It but can be. in my head, yeah. but growing up North America, right? It's a side dish. You put it with a lot of butter. You know, it's a side dish and with that's rice. How so you so think about meal. it,
1: and it's a nice foil to, let's say, a hearty steak or a hearty chicken exactly. or a roast chicken. But we don't think of it as dessert in a lot of ways.
0: Exactly, and the pop of a niblet. And if you pair that with like a cream and stuff, I get it. Like even saying it out loud now and seeing the words yeah, on the page, it and totally how to makes it. I mean, sense. It, and you it, can see how makes there could sense. be a
1: dessert. Yeah,
0: it's just being you know having an open mind. And I do love the fact because my mom would say the same. Oh my god! In the Philippines though, my skin yellow. It's refreshing. Mm, yeah, because when totally you pair it with be. all those things versus oh we just boiled it in a pot because it's a Come subtle. On in for a <laughs>
1: It's a subtle sweetness and I think exactly. that makes it really so great in this particular drink. I think a modern day version of this, mm-hmm. you know, matched up against North American or Western sensibilities. I'd love to see a Pavlova version of this dessert because I think that's, of how my yellow these days I've seen with like crispy cornflakes. And when I think about the crispy outer shell of a, Pavlova meringue, paired on top with some type of like corned, you know, whipped cream of some sort. Yeah. I see it kind of working. Now, I know some of our friends out there that love Pavlova would be thinking, corn on Pavlova? <laughs>
0: Logan would call us right in like, hour, just like shivering. Like, no, like, what are you talking about?
1: That would be sacrilegious. But if we needed to kind of combine these cultures, my escom Pavlova would
0: probably be I, a really fun modern version of this I think you're onto something, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. really think you're to Those who are culinary specialists listening try to the podcast... Out, try it out, Jordan <laughs> and Dino, we yes, love you. you that's right. Give Jesse some credit. He would love it.
1: I would love it, you know. <laughs> the uh, third drink that I want us to discuss today is mm-hmm. It's probably seen more as a fruit salad, but I've also seen it offered as a drink, you know, to be had. And I know that I was thinking about this recently because... We had gone to the Filipino night market, and I had gone with yeah. my niece, Jessie, and Jessie was <laughs> like, I want buku pandan, and we lined up for the buku pandan, and she <laughs> says, I like little Joe's buku
0: pandan better, right? <laughs> said, oh, how does he Joe, how does Joe make it?
1: Well, similarly, it's mixed in a pandan-infused cream, so for those of our listeners that don't know, it is a table cream, condensed milk, and pandan extract, and it's usually made out of jelly and coconut, essentially you know, in my mind, it's a cross between at gulaman and a green fruit salad is really what oh, it looks like to okay. me. And there are usually two types of jelly. So again, the first mm-hmm. is a gulaman that's either soaked in pandan leaves or soaked in coconut juice with a pandan extract. But the second is actually a coconut gel, natad de coco, that can be mm. bought pre-made and usually resembles white cubes. White cubes. Right, yeah, right, right. And, and they're usually the size of dice for those of our listeners that don't know. And the coconut gel is usually fermented coconut water. Now, I think the trick to buku pandan is using very young coconut meat that's shredded into oh, yeah? bite size strips. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's actually the younger and the meatier and the fleshier it is, the sweeter and the tender it can be. And for those of our listeners that don't know what pandan is, it's a tropical plant found all over Southeast Asia, even outside of the Philippines. And -hmm. it can be found in a lot of Southeast Asian cooking. And it typically has this kind of sweet aroma that is almost a little pine-like. And that's why it's also known as a screw pine (laughs) in (laughs) in some ways. Yeah. And in terms of my brother-in-law and particularly his mother, this drink comes up as quite a vivid memory of how they would always bring this to any of the family parties that mm-hmm. we would have. So yeah. I never grew up with it or had it a lot, nor knew about it until like what I said, my brother-in-law and his mother would start bringing it to Fam jams, And I have to say, <laughs> I've loved it ever since. Oh yeah. 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 And so I don't know if you've seen it, it's typically a green drink. Like that's kind of how I see it, right? Where I- you see- Sometimes even sago, right, is sometimes you would have, or even some white
0: beans for that matter. It's so funny. Like, I've run into it as a flavor, but I've never realized that it was consumed as a drink. Yeah. And I think of this be beautiful, as a salad like, too. Yeah. like a salad too. Like in my head, when I hear buko pandan, I think of a green, a beautiful, yeah. only type of green flavoring. When you had said, oh, it's a I never knew it was. I'm curious because now I want to, when I come to Toronto, I'll be like, hey, Joe, I'll, I'll try some. Like, yeah. Yeah, I would love I'm gonna to gonna
1: try it. Yeah, I'm going to have to ask, yeah, have to ask Joe, my brother-in-law, to make you a special version. And then it can be eaten as a fruit salad or, you know, you can put it with more cream, that buko pandan infused cream, and then even put some Sago in it, or for you since yeah. we won't put any sago. And you can like again sip it and then spoon it out at the same time. Just it like sounds like
0: something I would have at like Orange Julius. Yeah, actually, like, I would. would like that. That would sound really yeah. What would be your modern twist? Like, how would you, like, sell it to the masses right now? I
1: was thinking to myself that it should be a premium ice cream because this is the cream, Ooh. too, that makes it so nice. Yeah, so I can see, like, a, a Ben & Jerry's Buku Pandan ice cream of sorts. Well, that sounds good. That's what I think a modernized version would be as well. So yeah, so next time you're in town, which is probably going to be during the hiatus, yeah, yeah, we'll, exactly. we'll have to so. go on the hunt for these three drinks and try it out and then see what you think. And compare and contrast to some of original childhood feelings and thoughts about these sweet sips and drinks and stuff like that.
0: So... Ooh sounds appetizing.
1: Sounds like a mission. So and I think that that kind of takes us to the end of this particular merienda episode and sums up our merienda theme of sweet eats and drinks for this season, season 5. So Sigs, I think you should take us out unless there's any other final thoughts you want to offer on this. No, I, I, I literally
0: am like it's late at night, but I'm like, I want something really fresh. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just turned on the man's yellow. I'm like, yeah, you just brought up some good bites. Mm. Hey, you know what? You could do a side job for President's choice. You <laughs> just gave so. some really good, like, versions I should have been twist, a home
1: man. economist, you know, oh, you'd where be I would see. Awesome. Be-
0: Making suggestions on different
1: flavor profiles. Yes, that would be fun to do.
0: Hey, folks, let us know what you think of some of the sweet sips and drinks Filipino style that you liked. You can email us at holoholopopculture at gmail.com. Now, for all you out there, the Holohol podcast is available on all podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. Rate us and leave a review. Kuya, I'm hearing a lot of people are downloading us.
1: Oh, my gosh. From the East Coast. Like, shout out to all our friends out in Newfoundland, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick. And to all our other listeners, of course, in all throughout the United States and in the Philippines and in Indonesia. Like, hello, folks in Indonesia out there.
0: Oh, I love this. This is great. We're going to connect. Season six. More Season people six. to draw to. Tell more people about us. Rate us, leave a review. We are on social media if you want to find out more. We're on Twitter. Our handle's at pulp, And we're on Instagram at hello hello pulp culture.
1: Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Cheltering and we'll see all of you guys again real soon. See you guys soon.